Welcome everybody to They Cast from the Coast. My name is Adam Miles and I'm joined as always by Josh Lambert and Tim Johnson. Aaron Peerless will not be joining us tonight. We wish him the best. Hope for him to come back soon. Tim, what exactly yes. are we speaking about tonight? We are going to talk about a movie. A movie? That came out a long time ago. All the way back in 1931. We yeah, all just gonna... water molecules back then. Yeah, we, yeah. It's a different time back then, back in 1931. We are going to be talking about the absolute classic, Dracula. Stay tuned. All right, Tim, give us a synopsis. After a real estate agent succumbs to the will of Count Dracula, the two head to London where the vampire sleeps in his coffin by day and searches for his potential victims by night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Really? It's a pretty classic story. It's been told like a hundred times. I know. Like a hundred thousand times, but... But, to be fair, this is probably the first, or one of the first times it was told. One of the first. Technically, Nosferatu was the first. In moving image. Yes, in moving image, but Bram Stoker's Dracula, this was the first time, I believe. Yeah. But we'll find out. We'll find out when we get to that segment my favorite segment of the show Trivia Time with Tim Little Nuggets of Invo with Tim <laughs> Alright Little Nuggets of Info with Tim <laughs> <laughs> Alright, moving on Alright, let's talk about the story here Because the story of Count Dracula is timeless There are very many Many, many, many variations of it But in this case we're going to talk about The 1931 Universal Monster movie Epic of Dracula Bella fucking Lugosi Bella Lugosi um, So in this version we have uh, Renfield Is the uh, man who is Sent to deal with Count Dracula as Count Dracula wishes to purchase uh, a property, as it is in what is it, Carfax Abbey. Mm -hmm. So he wishes to uh, he wishes to purchase the property. So they send Renfield down to get all the paperwork going, and when he's there, he is attacked by Dracula and his brides, and he's turned into a ghoul, a servant of Dracula, and he helps Dracula on the. In this version, they don't call it the Demeter; it's the Vesta. 
if I remember correctly. It was the Vesta. Yep, that's correct. And um, there's the, the endangered journey that happens, and he arrives over in London. And when he gets to London, he has his thing for Lucy and then Mina. And uh, now we get introduced to the professors, and Jonathan Harker appears. Uh, so a little bit different than some of the variations, right? Where Harker's now available and, and in the story. And uh, was it Mina? Lucy, Lucy's turned, and then Mina is turning. And they believe that uh, Van Helsing and them believe that the sickness is due to vampirism, and they wish to kill it at the source. Yep. All right, there we go good way to put it here um so we have obviously you say so <laughs> sure you're the only one that talked yeah that was excellent that was awesome <laughs> that was self on the fucking excellent. back here good job adam thank you tim thank thanks, you thanks adam so something that i brought up to josh when i was talking to him earlier though is that you guys are having secret conversations we had a total secret mm, conversation me? there was a lot of like you know don't tell tim but um one of the biggest things that we found here was that because we were we were talking about the variations uh, between this, the British Hammer versions, even all the way up to the Netflix version, which we watched. Which two out of three episodes ain't bad, <laughs> right? Two out of three ain't bad, folks. Um, but the, but yeah, there is a there is an underlying tone to the entirety of this. It's you know you got the Count Count Dracula, you've got his journey from one place to another. Uh, you've always got the characters uh, like Mina and Lucy. Uh, you've got Jonathan and you got Renfield. But the one thing that they do is they always play on in which order characters appear, which mm-hmm. which role they play in the story, and who's who and who. You know what I mean? Like, um, in like the the British version, the Horrors of Dracula, Lucy is is uh, Harker's bride to be. Lucy Homewood, mm. you know, so there's like little variations here and there. Right. So it's almost kind of like they, they didn't want to pay for all the rights. <laughs> so, Oh, we changed some things. It's a different story now or some shit. It's, it's, I feel like there's just a big hat full of little pieces of paper that have like key story elements and characters. And they just like stick their hand in, shake it around, pull it out. We're like, okay, this is what we got for this one. I guess Jonathan's, um, have either one of you ever read, Bram Stoker's Dracula? Long time ago, yeah. yes. Yeah, same with me. Yeah, it's been a long time since I read that one. Um, it, my, my my favorite part of that entire story, I remember reading it, was the actual, uh, the sailing on the Demeter. It was fucking creepy to read. It was, it was like worse reading it than it's ever been portrayed on TV because you really do get a, an account for how they felt being trapped on this boat with this creature. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been a long time since I read it. I think I was still in high school. I'm old. Okay, uh, so in terms of characters, obviously we have Count Dracula himself, played by the absolute fucking fantastic Bella Lugosi, who you know pioneered the way for a lot of monster characters and, and character actors throughout the years. All right, at the time of Boris Karloff as well. Uh, then we have Renfield. Okay, who goes and turns into the ghoul, and he plays uh, an integral part of getting Dracula to uh, London. Uh, then we have, obviously, Lucy, we have Mina, we have the Professor, we have Van Helsing. Lots of characters that just kind of round out the story. There's not even really a lot to talk about about these characters, because it's, it's not like people don't know this story. 
true. Mm. Um, one thing I really liked about the Van Helsing in this one is that he's portrayed as like an old professor. And that's how I kind of always pictured Van Helsing. He's seen a lot of ones that he's like a young vampire hunter. And I always kind of saw him more as a guy that, uh, you know, has the knowledge. He's been around the block. He's he's seen yeah. some things. He's done some things. He's got reason to know a little bit. Like that that's a good way to put it. Because like it's in the in this it's he seems worldly. So of course really? he would guys, know a little bit more. You guys aren't conjured the image of you know Hugh Jackman running around <laughs> on rooftops. No. His no. big hat. No. No. Oh. No. I Wait, like Hugh Jackman whole... was in that movie. I thought that was a Kate Beckinsale movie. Mm, that's that's fair. I see what you did there. Very true. Very true. What you did there. <laughs> I like Van Helsing type that has all this knowledge from books with no real experience, and then when faced with a vampire face to face, he just becomes a badass. That's my Van Helsing. It's a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. And I mean that 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 to the reality. <laughs> that's what happens here. He is worldly. He has the knowledge. He figures things out. He puts the puzzle pieces together, and he says, "This is what's going on," and then they run with it. And you know, success or fail, he goes. So, Josh, this better not have been the first time you've ever seen this movie. In its entirety, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, like a lot of it. Old films. Who wants to sit down and watch fucking black and white movie for an hour and a half? Everybody in their the right fucking deals. mind should. Nah. I own now, this on this DVD. Is, this movie's dope. Yeah, so do I. This is my favorite of like the old school horrors, the Hammer films or whatever you want to call them, like the Gold Age, um, the Universal monsters, and Dracula's always been my favorite. Yeah, you you were explaining earlier. It's because he's got that regal. You know. Yeah. So one of my favorite horror tropes is the like mysterious, dangerous aristocrat. So like Hannibal Lecter, Dracula. I love that. They're like the upper echelon, and you always kind of wonder what happens behind these closed doors with these people. They feed on. They're like, oh, they're fucking monsters. They feed on the lower class. Yeah. It's a good way. It's good. It's good. But let's hear your notes on this. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this particular viewing of Dracula 1931 took place April 12th, 2021 at 7.40 p.m. Um, opening scene, that is without a doubt the most wobbly carriage ever made. I'm pretty sure it had at least one square wheel. <laughs> it's like that shopping cart you don't want at the store, right? <laughs> uh, we're introduced to the fact that the whole town knows about Dracula. So the very first Dracula film uh, isn't really an origin story. It's more of a Dracula's already here and the town all knows about it, which is kind of interesting, I found. Deal with this. Hmm. Uh, did that wasp have its own tiny little coffin? Did you notice that? The wasp gets out of like this little tiny coffin? Rewatch it. Uh, I love the introduction to the reaching arms from the coffins of like, uh, Dracula's, uh, creatures of the night. How they kind of like slink up through the coffin. It was cool. Uh... <laughs> 
Lugosi's face glows when he's introduced. Hmm. So something that I really like about this film, and it's probably more so because it's black and white, uh, every scene that Bella Lugosi's in, he's extremely illuminated, and his background is all very dark. Mm-hmm. So he is the center of attention every time he's on screen. Yep. Uh, we get the original Dracula voice, the foreign yet mysterious. Uh, how did this fucking knobhead cut himself on a paperclip? It's like filing the paperwork away. I thought Isn't it was it, a paper cut. I thought it was a paper yeah, cut. So too. did I. That would make sense, but he explicitly says, "Oh, I just cut myself on this paperclip." There's some Maybe sharp the fucking paperclips. Paper back, back back then were like, you know, bobby pins. Yeah. Thing they have a a point to it. I don't they were know. razor sharp, apparently. Thinking, how's this fucking knob had cut himself on a paper clip? Uh, I love the dangerous aristocrat trope, i.e., Hannibal Lecter. We kind of already talked about that. Uh, Dracula's girl's just got like seriously cock blocked. He just walks in, he's like, nope, get out of here, shoot. They <laughs> get cock blocked. Fuck, dude. Well, you know, they're, you're, they're, out, they're out there trying to get their vampire bang on. That's like their whole shtick. Uh, oh, he becomes the lackey, the what a complete and utter scam. This poor sucker was promised immortality and gets thrown in the loony bin instead. <laughs> yep. Uh, I love that Van Helsing is old. This is I've always pictured him. Nowadays, you seem to picture it a lot as like a young vampire hunter. I always think of him as like this old, knowledgeful guy that knows everything about vampires and werewolves because he's spent all this time as a professor reading these tomes. Um, there's a point where the ghoul just kind of like stares at the maid and she passes out. Is this like a power that's been invested in him or is he just like crazy madman and she was scared? don't know. Mysterious. Uh, I really do love how Dracula always lights up uh, the screen when the rest of the screen is dark. Uh, it's all the way through the movie that I don't know if they use like special makeup or reflecting on him or whatever. But it's very illuminating every time you see him. I wrote, uh, Van Helsing is so badass, standing toe-to-toe with the Prince of Darkness when all he has is his knowledge. Uh, And my last note here was one of my favorite lines of the two uh, servants, like, bickering back and forth. They're like, she's crazy. They're all crazy. In fact, I'm not entirely sold on you either. And they're just kind of bickering back and forth. (laughs) Those were my notes. Oh wow! Okay. Well, I mean, so what? So once again, it, how much of this movie before this viewing did you probably actually see? Probably all seven minutes that had Bela Lugosi in it, but not much else. Okay. No. Okay. Co- compared to what you know about the story, how does this kind of like portray? Because like you watched the Netflix one with us. You've probably yeah. seen a whole bunch of other vampire-type yeah. tales. How, mu- how much of the story seemed very familiar to you when you actually watched through it? Pretty much all of it. I mean, you've, you've got the mentions of him changing into the wolf. You've got him transforming into bats. You've got his, like, mistresses that kind of, like, scoop out. You've got him going to a new world and the ship ride over and his crates of soil. Mm-hmm. I think it's all, it, and he always falls in love with a woman in the new world and tries to take him as like his vampiric bride. Yeah. Okay. It's all the same story, just retold with different actors and slight variations. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about effects work here. So first and foremost, uh, one of the things that we brought up with Frankenstein was the fact that there there is a lot of camera trickery to this that was really well done in its day. And this movie is no different in a lot of ways. So first and foremost, you bring up the whole lighting effect. So, I mean, just simplistic nature in what it is, probably just done when they were, you know, working on the, the edits of the, of the negatives. But yeah, he is. He's illuminated. There's times when he's entirely dark and it's just his eyes that are illuminated and he's given that spell look, you know what I mean? Like, I put a spell on you type of shit. And then there's, you know, the other times when he's fully available. But it really kind of shows off, almost like he's, he's meant to be the pale beacon of the undead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there he is in all of his glory. and Which is kind of funny for a character who's supposed to be kind of like the master of darkness. To be so illuminated. Yeah, but he's just a, an aristocrat. They were all pale. They all just stayed inside their castles all day. Got, just in this, like, European Transylvania. They all stayed in their castles and got their gout. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't drink wine. He's not going to get gout. That's right. He doesn't drink wine. <laughs> um, yeah, so we also have a, a bat transformation scene. Josh, when you seen the bat transformation scene, tell me what you thought of this effect. I thought it was good for the fact that it was 1931. <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I can live with that. That's a, that's a bat transforming into a man. Yeah. Okay. Simplistic. Simplistic. Tim, do you have anything to add about like effects work or anything you want to talk about in this movie? Um, I, well, I mean, it's, it, it's part and parcel with, you know, when, when it came out in 1931, but the thing that I really liked and I've always liked was his castle. Mm. I always liked how big and cavernous it felt. It felt damp. It felt cold and dark. Like it was a cave, which, you know, a bat and bat caves and all that. But, um, I was really 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 happy um <clears throat> how well that um that comes through from 1931 like even to this last time i watched it um it's just a, a, there's this there's this 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 vibe this um tone and mood to to his ca castle i mean the whole movie's kind of like that but i i mean i don't know maybe maybe it's the fact that it's a excuse me, a vintage movie and just how they had things lit and, you know, no, I don't know. I, I, it's just, I agree. This, this movie's just like, it's, it's it's very Halloween. Like, it's very... Yeah. Like, nowadays, it would just be a blue filter and everything yeah. would be very blues and darks, but you get, this is black and white and they're still able to convey that. Yeah, like, um, I, I, I always really like that. I mean, I don't really know if that counts as an effect per se, yeah. Um, but um, set work, yeah, set work. Well, yeah. it totally does because um, it would have been models, set works, matte paintings, all that shit. Yeah. But as far as the effects go, I mean, they were top notch for 1931. Um, <clears throat> I mean, as far as <clears throat> Bella Lugosi, I mean, really, he's he's lighter. Um, you know, but I mean, there's not really that much effects, really. No. And there wasn't really anything that like wowed me. 
like the little people in a jar from Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, okay, so so bringing that up to it, though, that what we were just kind of talking about, sets, I consider sets to be effects work when it comes to these movies, for sure, because it isn't they were just like, here's a location, go film at it. They made these fucking <laughs> locations. They built everything. And this movie had some dope-ass locations. Like, right, yeah, down, right down to the crypt at the end. Yeah. In the, in the, you know, in the bottom of the, of the, of the Abbey and shit, right? Like that's, that's dope when they're running around there and you feel claustrophobic and they got all the wicked archways and shit. And then he's there like his shit's just like thrown about because like, it's very unsettled in, you know what I mean? It's not like his actual castle, right? His, his shit's just there. And, uh, it's, right. it's, 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 it's creepy. It's creepy. And it did convey a lot with it. I always wondered, like, one of my favorite things is to think about the rules of a monster and then, like, think of the loopholes and how they get away with it. How much soil you reckon Dracula actually needs? Not very much. You just have, like, I a mean, really, pocket full of sand in his yeah, fucking puts his hand jacket. In his pocket. Right? Just yeah. kind of plays with whatever's in his pocket a little bit, you know? A little bit of pocket sand and he's good to go. <laughs> pocket sand. Pocket sand. Yeah. Um, I mean, you bring up a good point there. It's uh, there are variations on the story where he's basically embedded in the sand, so it's like he's in it. You know what I mean? He's got to yeah. be surrounded by it. There's others where he's just got to that that he's got to lay on a lay on a bed of it, so it doesn't really matter how thick it is, really. And then there's others where it's just he has to be in he has to be in contact with it for certain periods of time, and it doesn't matter how much it is. It could just be a pocket of the sand, right? But in a lot of cases, it's it's not necessarily sand. It's it's just dead earth. Yeah, it's, it's the earth from his grave. It's the earth from his grave. Yeah, so it's just dead earth. Hi, everybody. This is Vincent DeSanti, the writer and director of Friday the 13th fan film Never Hike Alone, and you are listening to the great commentary of They Cast from the Coast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to check out Never Hike Alone, which is streaming for free on YouTube right now. Uh, Tim? Yes, sir. I do believe it is time for you to provide us with some little nuggets of wisdom and joy. And possibly a lie. (laughs) And possibly a lie or two. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Dreamy and Sam with Tim. All right. Well, the original release featured an epilogue with Edward Van Sloan talking to the audience about what they've just seen. This was removed for the 1936 re-release and is now assumed to be lost. The later Frankenstein, 1931, similarly copied this model by featuring a prologue. Mm -hmm. Which we loved. I love that. Yeah. Uh, While it was rumored that Bela Lugosi could not speak English very well and had to learn his lines phonetically, this is absolutely not true. Lugosi was speaking English as well as he ever would by the time this movie was filmed. So, the accent that he uses in this movie was a artistic choice. 
I mean, I'm sure he had an accent anyway, but... Um, Dracula never once blinks his eyes. An effect that enhances the undead character's otherworldly aura by Bela Lugosi's famous menacing stare. Weird. Dope. Yep. I almost want to go back and check that yeah. out. Yeah. Um, the opening music to this film is from Act 2 of Swan Lake. But you didn't know that, Adam. I did not know that, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'll mark that in my things to know about Swan Lake. Yep. Universal's original plan was to make a big-budget adaptation of Dracula that would strictly adhere to Bram Stoker's novel. However, after the stock market crashed in 1929 and the beginning of the Great Depression, Universal chose not to risk an investment on such a sprawling film. Instead, adapted a much less expensive Hamilton Dean stage play. Which actually makes a lot of sense. It does. Because I think I saw that play once, and I can't remember where it was. Probably Neptune. Might be. And it, it follows suit with what we talked about with Frankenstein. Mm. Not directly the book was based on the screenplay of a, of a stage play. Mm-hmm. Although he lived for 67 years after the film was released, David Manners, John Harker, claimed that he never watched this film and refused to due to the fact of his religious beliefs. <laughs> this was the sixth most popular movie at the U.S. box office in 1931. Sixth. Mm-hmm. Some of the original prints of this film were tinted green to give it a much more eerie look. When Universal purchased the rights in 1927 to the Broadway play, Lon Chaney was considered for the title role. However, Chaney died on August 26, 1930. The role went to Bela Lugosi. His son, Lon Chaney Jr., would later play uh, Count... Oh, Accord? Accard? Alucard? Alucard. Yeah, Alucard. Uh, the son of Count Dracula in The Son of Dracula. It's just Dracula backwards. Yep. Yes, I realize that. I don't. It, it took me a minute. The peasants inside the inn are playing the Lord's Prayer in Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Keeps the monsters at bay. Due to studio demands to cut costs of this film, this was a film that was shot in sequence. Hmm. Contrary to popular misconception, Lugosi did not wear a hairpiece in the film. However, he did sport a fake widow's peak in many publicity stills. Later, Lugosi would wear a more pronounced widow's peak in his role in White Zombie, which is also a dope movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that in forever. Yeah, I know. Thanks to Bella Lugosi, who negotiated the uh, with the author's widow, Universal quitted, quitted, acquired the film rights to Dracula from Bram Stoker's widow to 
play uh, writer Hamilton Dean for forty thousand dollars. Good deal. Yeah, it was. Uh, contrary to what has been written by both Jewish and anti-Semitic writers, the neck order worn by Dracula is not the Star of David. Not. Universal Studios commissioned a new musical score from composer Philip Glass. It premiered at the Brooklyn Academy of Music on October 26th, 1999. Um, this film is one of the films included on Roger Ebert's Greatest Movies list. Todd Browning and Bela Lugosi had collaborated two years earlier on a movie called The 13th Chair. And... the last one in an ironic twist of fate Bella Lugosi is seen with blood dripping down his lips in Daughters Who Pay in 1925 whereas his Dracula never was his character there uh, Serge forcibly kisses the leading lady who was dancing with a rose between her lips the thorns in the stems cut him and after being uh, after seen be bleeding from the mouth Bella's surge proceeds to cut, uh, touch the handkerchief to his lips. It's funny, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's 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 it. That is trivia time. Josh, do you have an idea as to what the lie might he have been? He has got me completely fucking stumped tonight. I have an idea. Oh yeah. I, What's your idea? I think it has to do with the purchase of the rights. I don't think Bella Lugosi was involved with the rights purchase at all. Give me far too much credit, Adam. Far too <laughs> much. Um, I, I don't think it was the Star of David one. Part of me wants to say that it wasn't like Act Two of Swan Lake, and Tim just was like, "It's actually Act Three, and he just pulled the fast." <laughs> I don't it either. You no, no. Oh, okay. I honestly have no idea. You've completely stumped me this round, Timothy. All right, Tim. What really? was the fake, sir? Adam, what, what is your choice? My choice was about the purchase of the rights. I don't think Bella Lugosi was involved. You are wrong. Oh, what? so what was it? Then? Although he lived for 67 years after the film was released, David Manners, John Harker, claimed that he'd never watched it due to religious beliefs. But that is wrong because he did eventually watch it. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Well, good yeah. job. Good job. Good job. That was the sneakiest trivia time with Tim yet. I had, I had to. This is, this is what the game is now. This is what <laughs> this the game is. The you, guys, game is in there. you guys get me every time. You guys get oh, me every time. Man. I'm glad that I stumped you both. Well, that's mm. been a good trivia time with Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's time to kind of uh, give your thoughts on this movie and then officially have us rate it. So I'm going to start with Josh. Okay. Now, similar to Frankenstein, I just need to be upright and honest and think that these movies deserve an asterisk besides their rating. Because given the climate that they were created in, it's a completely different world. Uh, if this movie came out tomorrow... 
it would be a stinker and no one would go see it. The pacing is very different from what a movie nowadays is. The horror levels are very different from what a movie nowadays is. So you need to kind of take that into consideration. For me, I'm rating this movie based on the fact that this is kind of the creation of Dracula. Um, on screen, at least. I mean, we get Nosferatu, but that's kind of a different creature, in my opinion. Uh, Dracula is my favorite of the original monsters. Uh, he fits into that perfect little niche that I love of the dangerous aristocrat. Uh, it also falls into the whole kind of like xenophobe thing that you see in movies where you're kind of taught to be afraid of the foreigner. You're taught to be afraid of the person that's different. Uh, with this, you get Dracula, who's this aristocrat. He's swarthy. He's got this power over people. He's all powerful. He can't be killed during the night. There's these small amount of rules that are established, which is one of the first films in this genre that kind of give a creature rules. I mean, you got rules with the Wolfman, but with uh, Frankenstein, his rule is fire bad, right? Uh, with Dracula, you have this whole list. He doesn't like the mirrors. Uh, he drinks the blood. He must sleep at night on his soil. The Wolfsbane, all these things. And I think it's because of that that I'm so lord to Dracula. And because I love Dracula and everything that becomes of him, this is kind of like the starting place, the masterpiece that created it all. Just like Evil Dead 1 isn't as good as Evil Dead 2, but I rate it very highly because of what it becomes. It's the story start. It's the origins. Uh, with that being said, I think this movie fully deserves an X at the highest rating possible. Nicely said. Nicely said. Mr. Johnson. Why do I gotta go next? Why do you always go last? I don't like that. I like Except share... for when he does. Except for when I don't, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just no no pleasing me when it comes to Adam. Alright. I will go. I will I will go, but I don't want to, but I will. Um, this movie's a fucking masterpiece, if I'm being absolutely honest. It's one of those films that every time I see it, I wonder what it was like to see it in 1931 and have the shit scared out of me. Because this movie was not anything that people have seen. Like, yes, Nosferatu came out first, but like Josh said, this is a completely different monster altogether. Um, Nosferatu, by all intents and purposes is a monster. He looks like a monster, but Dracula yeah. looks like a man. He looks. He blends like in with wealthy. the average person. Absolutely. Um, Bela Lugosi, this is like... He's, he's probably one of the greatest actors to ever portray this character. Um, I, I can name a couple other actors that have done Dracula justice. Um in other versions um, I'm a big fan of Christopher Lee's Dracula I'm a big fan of um, um, the the much more modern I believe it's 92 version of Bram Stoker's Dracula Oldman. Um, yeah Gary Oldman um, even the new guy that was on that Netflix special he, he's pretty he dope. Was dope it was just yeah. it, the movie sucked they're, they're, it sucked that last part sucked anyways I digress um Special effects were cutting edge for 1931. Um, the sets, like I said earlier, um, just just absolutely get me every time. Um, I feel cold. I feel damp. I feel like when you go to one of those like historic places, um, 
you know, here it's Citadel Hill or the Dingle or whatever, and you go inside those buildings that are completely shut off from the sun and they're cold, right? That's that's what I I feel when you know we're in Dracula's castle and um, yeah, just uh, I I cannot say anything really bad about this movie. Um, you know, the pacing is obviously different, um, acting choices are obviously different, but I I. I'm forgiving all of those. Those it's 1931. This is one of the first real big horror movies that were ever made. Um, you know, it came out the same year as Frankenstein, and it's like these two movies basically started everything I love in film. You know what I mean? Like it's some of the first horror movies, and I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a big horror fan. Big. What? Yeah, surprising, eh? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with Josh. This absolutely gets an X. Absolutely gets an X. It's a well-deserved um, masterpiece that <laughs> I watch. You know, any excuse that I get, I love watching this around October. Like, I love it. Yeah. Because it's so Halloween-y to me, you know? Like, the sound effects and, like, the fucking music and just the vibe. I love this movie. I love this movie. I'll shut up. <laughs> X. X it is. All right. Um... Yes, this is one of the pinnacle movies that started everything that we love in horror. Came out at around the same time as Frankenstein. I unbashedly, Frankenstein is my favorite. Almost entirely one of my favorite movies of all time. But but Dracula, you can't shit on this movie. You really can't. You know, this. I literally got into an internet argument not that long ago with somebody who just said any movie before a certain date is garbage because it looks like shit and the actors are shit and the effects are shit. And I just said, you just lost the argument. <laughs> like, you are shit, man. Come on. Can I just say one thing? Fucking, can you imagine what it was like in 1931? This movie comes out and then, like, immediately after, it's Frankenstein. I know. Like, can you imagine how dope that would be? Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's brilliant, man. It, these, these movies are amazing. One of the things I've always wanted to experience was to have, like, a little Super 8 or 16 millimeter projector with an old rickety copy of one of these films and just to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, that's dope. That's awesome, and I love sh I love experiences like that. I love shit like that, and I think that it would really portray it really well too. Uh, Lugosi is amazing. He went on to have an amazing career with you know some amazing movies, like we said, like White Zombie and stuff. He did a lot of cross work with you know uh, fucking Karloff, and they did they did a bunch of amazing stuff in that era. Uh, they continually continually went through with this to the point where. Lugosi's character in the Tim Burton movie Ed Wood, the story of Ed Wood, was fucking awesome. I love that. I love that version of him too. Like it was just amazing to see that and portray. And you know, and this is one of those things. This was a movie I was proud to show my kids and have my kids enjoy. And I will continue to do that. You were too. proud, like you you made it? No, like I was, I was proud to say, or I was proud to 
introduce my share kids it. to this, to share it with them and to have them show love for it and enjoy it too. You know, like it was a proud time and moment. Um, yes, the movie has its faults. Jeez. Just like a lot of, just like a lot of some of the greatest movies ever made. They all have their faults, but it's how bad is it really? It's not like you guys said, there's some pacing issues there's some little blahs with certain things, but in the grand scheme of things, who gives a shit? It's, it was a well-done movie, especially for the era and the time, and that's how I picture it. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything but give this movie an X as well. X rating, guys. Triple X. Triple X. Triple X rating. That's how we do this. I'm sure, I'm sure Aaron would give it an X, too. Absolutely. He messaged me earlier saying he hated it. It was garbage. <laughs> he said the voice was corny. I said, corny? What do you mean? No. Oh, you tried. You tried, Josh. That no, sorry, no. <laughs> oh well. All right, gentlemen. Great review of a classic movie tonight. I'm glad that we're finally getting to see some of these movies and talk about them a little bit too. And we'll continue to do this. We've got some of the other Universal monster movies we want to talk about. Some other classic movies as well. I want to do Hammer movies. Yes. Do Hammer movies. We'll do some Hammer movies, Tim, because we got to compare some of this stuff, right? And we got to think because. You know, they had the Americanized Universal Monsters, and then Hammer comes around and said, We can fucking do it, do I? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a Cockney, that's a Cockney that British accent. That Never one again. <laughs> Never again. I would like to take this opportunity to <laughs> Australian <apologize>. and Frankenstein. <laughs> apologize to the internet. <laughs> and, and, and our friends in the UK. <laughs> For Adam. Or Adam. That's that's as far as I need to take it. <laughs> right. There we go. Alright, so with that being said, I want to take a moment to thank everybody for tuning into this episode. And uh, check us out on Facebook, Misunderstood Art Company. YouTube, Misunderstood Art Company. Like, share, and subscribe. New content coming out every week. And uh, we put out audio copies of this on all the major podcasting platforms, including but not limited to Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, etc., we're also on Patreon. Open up your hearts and your wallets for that coffee fix for the guys. And until next time, Josh. I, I'm mostly just bummed that you never get to hear, I want to suck your blood. That's like the full-on Mandela effect. That never happens. <laughs> Jeez, now you got me thinking. Where the hell did that get introduced? Uh, it, it's just the same as, you know, like... They never craved brains in the in the original Romero wow. zombie movies. That was Return of the Living Dead introduced that. Where the hell did I want to suck your blood come from? I think we just made it up. No, I honestly I think it's from I think it's from the um Laurel and Hardy or Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I'm, or uh, Dracula. I'm going to have to watch that one now, too. Because <laughs> Bela Lugosi, that's the only other time he... Because I'm positive he says that. I'm positive. I could be wrong. I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, but is he saying it because it's already like an established meme at the time? No. Google's going to be our best friend later. Until next time, yeah. Tim. I would like to tell the internet to say... To... To... to, to to stay safe <laughs> and stay spooky. Took a bit to get out, but thank you, Tim. All right. I'm trying to. I was trying to. I was trying to like. 
I was trying to make it bigger than what it was. I'm sorry. That's all good. Until next time. Check you later, governor. Good night. <laughs>